Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, June 3rd, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon. All right, Steve, the uh, big news from yesterday, Ryan Day met with a group of roughly about 100 business leaders from the Columbus area, and I'm sure around Ohio. Probably, I'm sure it wasn't just limited to business leaders in Columbus. And he threw the number out there of exactly what he thinks Ohio State. I'm sure they crunched the numbers. He wasn't just giving a rough estimate here, um, speaking off the top of his head. He said for Ohio State to keep their current roster intact each year, they're going to need about $13 million. And again, this has nothing to do with recruiting. This is just to keep other programs from poaching their current players. They need these NIL deals in place so they can take care of guys like Travion Henderson, C.J. Stroud, and guys like that, and whoever those guys will be going forward in the future years. Your thoughts about that? I know a lot of people are like, whoa, $13 million a year. But when you think about it, you have 85 scholarship kids. Kids can transfer now with no penalty. Kind of makes sense to me, Steve. Yeah, it's a very interesting uh, topic and conversation. And I think that uh, Ryan Day is uh, being proactive to get out in front of this. And it's kind of like, send us your dimes and your nickels because we're going to need them type thing. And Ohio State's in a very tough spot because, okay, they spend $200 million a year on athletics. And a lot of that is uh, brought in through fundraising, uh, hitting up donors, hitting up corporations, corporate sponsors, and everything else that goes with it. But they also now need support for the athletes. And that is a very interesting topic. And I think that there is a certain segment of the fan base, and it's certainly understandable that, you know, when you mention name, image, and likeness, it just kind of, you know, glosses over the front of their face like, I can't believe this. You know, you know, why isn't a scholarship good enough for these guys? And I think that him coming out and dropping such an astronomical number as 13 million um, kind of puts it out there in the proper perspective, I think, for fans that if you're going to follow college football into the 2020s and into the 2030s and the 2040s, you need to understand that it's not 1997 anymore and that there are going to need to be some accommodations put in place for these high-end athletes. And that's just the fact of the matter. And um, I think we're still awaiting NCAA uh, legislation to really codify what is and what is not legal. But I think it's going to err more toward more is legal than illegal. And uh, so uh, these major programs, Alabama, 
Clemson, Texas. I throw them in there because they've got deep pockets. Uh, anybody who you feel has got deep pockets and crazy boosters and, you know, crazy donors, um, it's going to become a bit of a bidding war. So um, you hate to see this sport go the way of the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Dodgers, but it's already kind of gone the way of the Yankees, the Red Sox, and the Dodgers because you can put four or five schools in a hat and, and pretty much assure that one of them is going to win the national championship every year between the ones I mentioned and maybe Georgia. So, you know, um, it is crazy. Uh, I think there's no reason why I said this with uh, uh, Lawrence, the guy from Clemson a couple of years ago, had it been in place when he was there, he would have been a two, three, $4 million a year guy. I think, I mean, there's no reason why, He's not featured as part of a national advertising campaign throughout all of the ABC and Fox games all season long with Dr. Pepper or whoever. So uh, I think C.J. Stroud, you know, would look awful good driving one of those Heisman Heisman Nissans, you know. So (laughs) how about getting getting one before he wins this year's Heisman, you know, have him and Eddie George and Troy Smith in in a Nissan Heisman. So there you go. Yeah, we have a comment or Darren saying, isn't this more like you, you just can't handle the truth? You know, I think he's talking about the people that are upset about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that's a legit comment there. Um, yeah, as Steve said, I mean, you just have to embrace it and be proactive. And that's what Ryan Day is doing. I've had we had some people on our Bucknuts message board saying, oh, one guy said, oh, this is quote unquote gross. I can't believe this is going on. It's like, first of all, if Ryan Day wasn't doing this, if he was not being proactive, if he was not setting up these meetings, and Gene Smith also was at this meeting with these business leaders and laying it out, the blueprint, what they need. If he wasn't being proactive, Steve, what would every Buckeye fan be saying right now? Why isn't Ryan Day working harder at this? How is he letting Ohio State fall behind? So I applaud Ryan Day. I'm sure he doesn't want to do these things, but he knows he has to. And he was quoted as saying, um, you know, everything that since he's been the head coach at Ohio State, he knows he has to embrace these types of things. I think he's doing a good job of that. I agree. And I think that, uh, you know, you, you look at Gene Smith, he's been in college athletics probably 40 years now. And uh, you know, his time as the athletic director, probably winding down the next three to five years, whatever he's done a, a really good job since coming on in 2004. And they've tried to stay ahead of the curve as best as they could and kind of confront things and, and, you know, as they're coming, you know, down the track at them and this is the latest hurdle and the latest challenge. But again, from an industry wide standpoint, I think about how we don't have leadership, proper leadership. And we talked about this, about the uh, Fisher uh, Saban thing a few years, a week ago, that we don't have proper leadership to put rules in place for guidance. And uh, again, like Dabo said, you know, we're going through transition three, four years. We're going to come out of this on the other side in a better place because I don't, I think, I don't want to say this game is indestructible, but it's nearly indestructible. When you think about <clears throat> in the fall, the stadiums are going to be full and anybody who wants to play college football, their spots on every one of these teams. And if one kid gets his nose out of joint, then the next kid steps up and replaces him. I mean, that's the thing. There's what 7,000 high schools nationally and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of kids playing high school football who would, you know, die to take your spot tomorrow. If you, you know, are mad about your NIL. So uh, that's, that's the one thing that they have is an endless 
array of talent to replace uh, the ones that leave. So that uh, it's like Chris Holtman. I mean, he's kind of coming to grips with it as well between the transfer portal and um, guys going to the NBA, like Branham was an unexpected, you know, jump off to the NBA. You have to have a constant churn of talent and you need to be locked in uh, where that talent is coming from with the AAU programs and, and so on. And so it's the same thing with football as well. We have a question for you, Steve. Last, uh, probably the last one we'll get to with this NIL stuff. We have some other stuff we want to get to, but uh, the Buckeye guy says, Mr. Hellwagon, if you were the Big Ten or NCAA commissioner, what rule or rules would you change as far as NIL? Yeah, good question. I think that, again, just common sense, and I think that it needs to air in favor of the student-athlete, which uh, student-athletes now have it better than they've ever had it before because they can collect NIL and they can move from one college to the next. So I would keep it very pro-athlete friendly to avoid lawsuits because there's going to be a class action lawsuit at some point uh, to change some of this, whatever it may be. And you want to kind of head that off so that, again, your industry doesn't get turned on its ear. But I do believe uh, it wasn't intended to be an inducement for kids coming out of high school to choose colleges. And I don't know how you codify that. And I think that's the, the, the probably the one area that uh, they're going to have a real problem with is because again, it's the free open market. Um, you know, if a college kid who's 18 years old can accept money, why can't a high school kid who's 18 years old? There's really no differentiation other than he hadn't enrolled yet or hasn't signed a letter of intent. So I don't know. Uh, I guess I want to get deeper into this and listen to more of what people have to say. But, <clears throat> you know, you think about the Big Ten uh, already had a very lucrative television contract. And as we understand, they're coming up with a, a, a new one. And you don't know what the timing of this is. It could come tomorrow. It could come in three months. We don't know. But at some point, Kevin Warren and whoever's in charge of this process is going to come out and tell you that over a X number of year period, the Big Ten is going to make one and a half, two, three, four billion dollars, whatever it is. So there's a lot of money at stake and on the table. And the athletes at some point you know, should be realizing some of that if, it, if it's that much money. Of course, their league is different than the Big 12. They're not going to have that much money, particularly without Texas and Oklahoma. So what's fair? What's right? I don't know. We're going to have to – we're just kind of feeling our way through the dark on all of this, and uh, maybe one day the, the they'll get it right. <clears throat> all right, switching gears, I can't believe this. I kept saying there was a lot of smoke that, oh, the Penn State game's not going to be a whiteout this year. It's not going to be at night. I'm like, I'll believe that when I see it. Now I see it. <laughs> it has been announced it is not going to be a whiteout. It's not going to be at night. It's going to be a stripe out either at yeah. 3.30, the stripe out. I get you. Give me that over the, the whiteout for sure. And people can make fun of the whiteout and whatever. I know Ohio State. One out there in 2018 with the big comeback, Dwayne Haskins, Ben Victor, um, you know, K.J. Hill with the high stepping into the end zone, a huge comeback in the fourth quarter. But every time they go over there, man, it's tough sledding when they do. Even, even when they win, it's tough sledding um, for that wideout. So I'm thrilled that it's not going to be a wideout, that it's not going to be at night. Your thoughts on that? Are, are you hearing it's going to be noon or 3.30? I would assume noon, but to my way of thinking, 
Fox would have a World Series game at 8 o'clock that night. And what would make most sense to me is if they played the game at 3.30 or 4 o'clock as a lead-in to the World Series coverage because that game is going to draw a huge rating, Ohio State versus Penn State. I know they like the noon games, um, but you also want to get as many eyeballs on that World Series as possible. So to me, it's a perfect synergy. Maybe they'll have another marquee game at 3.30 or 4 o'clock after Ohio State, Penn State. Uh, Penn State will have a pretty good team. Uh, you know, they lost a lot of tight games. Uh, when you think about that, what they lost at home to Illinois in overtime or something stupid. Um, you know, they, they gave away a lot of games that, that, that they, they could have and should have won last year. And I think that they're going to be very uh, tough, particularly at State College. Um, my daughter saw that yesterday. And she is a sophomore at Miami, just finishing up her second year. And she said, Dad, what's that song you guys always do over there about that? And uh, when she saw it wasn't going to be a whiteout, I go, you know, how they do that. da 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 It was a whiteout. It was a whiteout, and they got their asses smoked. She goes, yeah, that's when Ohio State goes in there and beats them, isn't it? And then she said, now, Ohio State lost one of those, didn't they? Oh, yes, they did. They had a block punt and a block field goal over there, and it was kind of like uh, uh, Penn State rumbled. Uh, you know, I've been there when the stadium just literally – the erector set starts shaking, you know, and you're wondering, are these – steel girders you know that came out of the the toy box are they going to hold this thing up but uh, the giant erector set i think uh, we got a, our, our former colleague who now works has been at 11 warriors forever yeah. ramsey everybody knows ramsey if you're a buckeye fan you're familiar with people who cover the team and write stories ramsey's hilarious years yeah. ago he referred to beaver stadium as the giant erector set <laughs> yes it's perfect they just keep adding to it it just it does it looks like a giant erector set and there's nothing within 250 miles of it in every direction either i mean it's this damn thing where you you drive along out in the middle of nowhere for three hours and then this huge erector set is just sitting there on the landscape you're like well that's out of place isn't it but yeah it uh people come from all around pennsylvania on game days and uh if you haven't been to a game at Penn State, you owe it to yourself to go see a game at Penn State. It is it; those night games are a religious experience. I'll say that. But um, that again, that's one of the top environments with Wisconsin, uh, and then kind of the next tier. Well, Nebraska is up there too. Dave, the support Nebraska gives the their team for how bad they are, and and again, they are like. Charlie Brown and Lucy Van Pelt, where the ball is always there teed up for Charlie Brown to kick the field goal. And then at the last second, you know, Lucy Van Pelt pulls the football away and Nebraska loses. So, you know, that's kind of how Nebraska season went last year. It's kind of how Penn State season went uh, last year. But, uh, yeah, we'll get our fill of uh, Happy Valley. I'm thinking uh, probably in, in recent years with it being a night game, we go over on Saturday morning. But I'm thinking this is going to be a noon game, going to need to be over there in place Friday night and then maybe drive all the way back or stop off in Wheeling on the way home. So that that might be the travel plan this year. I will suggest Altoona, Pennsylvania as a place to stay. My, uh, awesome. my whole family is originally from Altoona, Pennsylvania. Now, I was born and raised in Ohio, but like my mom and dad were from Altoona. My aunts and uncles all were from Altoona, Pennsylvania. Fortunately, my dad did not somehow – 
was not a college football fan growing up. So thank God, even though he grew up like 30 minutes away from Penn State, was not a Penn State fan. And he came to, you know, was in the Air Force, got stationed. Um, he was, um, where was he in Newark, Ohio at the time? And mm-hmm. he was his degree at Ohio State, became an Ohio State fan. So that's how it all started. Even, my da- even though my dad's from Altoona, Pennsylvania, he became a diehard Buckeye fan. We uh, Thanks to that. We stay in Bedford sometimes, which is as you go over on the interstate, is the last exit before you turn and go north to State College. It, it's about an hour and 10 minutes south of State College. So coming back to Ohio, it's perfect. You you know, you you come back late Saturday night, stay there, and you get up Sunday, and then you've only got three and a half hours or whatever back from there to get back. You know, from my house on the east side of Columbus, I can be at State College in four and a half hours usually if everything – if there's no bad construction or whatever. So – one of my it, is, it is construction season out there. Trust me. Oh, gosh. It's, like, it's like driving to Indianapolis. Every time we go to Indianapolis, yeah. you think, oh, it's a three-hour drive, except it's probably a five-hour Add drive. Add two. <laughs> exactly. My oh. goodness gracious. Hey, they, Dave, we're going to Indianapolis in, in just a matter of weeks. The Big Ten kickoff uh, deal is going to be in Indianapolis, like July 25th, something like that. So yep. uh, today's June 3rd. It'll be here before we know it. All right, last thing. Let's have a little fun here. So I have I have a bet with uh, up and coming superstar in our media business, Chris Drew. Uh, he's the co-host with uh, Zach Smith on their Menace to Sports podcast. So we have a bet. I think Zach got in on it too. Over under twelve hundred receiving yards for Marvin Harrison Jr. this season. And I almost feel bad that I'm Marvin, taking the under. Marvin. I, I I I'm like a Marvin Harrison Jr. stand. I've been talking about it since last year. Like, this guy's going to be a stud. Like he he showed out in the Rose Bowl. Um, I think he's going to have a big year, but here's why I'm going under. That's all. We have a rooster's bet on the line. Um, Chris is going over. Zach's going over. I'm going under. Here's why. There's just too much wealth to spread around. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to get his. Marvin Harrison's going to get his. Emeka Ekbuka is going to get his. Travion Henderson's going to get his. You're going to have to mix in some Mayan Williams and some Evan Pryor. Man, I, I could see Marvin Harrison Jr. going over 1,200. I think it's going to be close. And if they play in 15 games like we hope they do, making the national championship game, that'll make it easier for him to reach it. I'm going to go just under because I think it's going to be tough with uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba and Emeka Egbuka and all the running backs, all the wealth they have to spread around. And there's going to be some blowups where those guys are taken off the field. What are you, where are you going, Steve? You going over or under 1,200 for Marv? Yeah, that's my question, Dave. Can you tell me today if they're going to play 13, 14, or 15 games? Can you at tell least, me? At least 14. At least they're going, 14. Win, they're going to win the Big Ten Championship, and they're going to make the playoff, and we'll see what happens from there. Yeah, I like that thought. Um, I would say under just because, um, again, when you, when you spread those yards out and, uh, to, to three, four, five guys, they get they thin out pretty quickly. And yet last year was uncanny with the number of 100 yard games. You know, you would have sometimes two guys and even I think a few games where you had three guys with 100 yards receiving. And Stroud is a great distributor. He gets the ball. He he always makes the right play. It seems like if it's to uh, throw underneath and take what they give, he takes what they give him almost uncanny i mean it took him a game or two to kind of get his feet wet but once he did he was amazing and um brian hartline at the camp the other day some kid made some amazing move and he goes my god it's like marvin he just just it just came out of his mouth 
my God, it was like Marvin, you know, something like, I think he said that to Stroud, who was like standing next to him or whatever, while these guys were running routes. And I was like, uh Oh, you know, if Heartline is invoking a first name, you know, Marvin on some great move or whatever, it tells me we're in for something special this fall. So um, this kid was born to do this. Uh, it was uh, ingrained in him at a very young age and like we say, a lot of kids who are the, the sons of coaches are, are so smart and whatever. Well, this is a guy who is the son of an NFL Hall of Famer and looks like he's going to be a great receiver in his own right. And he's got his own path to right. And this will be, you know, the Rose Bowl was a great coming out party for him with three touchdowns. I think we're going to see some amazing things out of him. 1,200 yards, a lot to ask for. I mean, 1,200, you're, you're asking him to get – average of 80 or 90 a game to do that so i don't know that, that's a that's because there's going to be some games where he comes back with five for 50 you know so that's just some days it doesn't roll your way you know but um i'd say under right now but boy it'd be fun to see him go over sure would sure would all right well hey great stuff from steve hellwagon really appreciate it steve and thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show we appreciate that very much Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. season of the original hit series mayor of kingstown my job is to create a balance avoid a war from executive producer taylor sheridan co-creator of yellowstone there's some new players in town and they brought the flag and antoine fuqua director of training day i know it's always been a war zone mike but this is next level the mayor is back in business are you warning me you're gonna find out mayor of kingstown new season streaming june 2nd exclusively on paramount plus